Welcome <laughs> to It's Organic. Yeah. It's Organic Podcast, the whole organic podcast that we give to you, market fresh, ready to eat. All glad about the organism. Mm. I'm glad you're talking about organic. You know, I went to school, the School of Agriculture at UConn, one of the top agriculture schools in the nation. If you think we can hear you, we can't because you're not talking into the mic. Top agricultural school in the nation, UConn. Is that your plug for the day? The agricultural school? No, my plug is today's sponsor, Chipotle. They make guacamole fresh every day. Every day. I'm going to have to bleep that. <laughs> every day. Unless we want to hear from Chipotle's legal team. Thank you for our sponsor, Wait, Chipotle. let's just leave it on here and see what happens. <laughs> let, let this one ride out. Dude, yeah, and then and then once people start going to Chipotle, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I heard about you from like this douchebag's podcast. Then they'll have to owe you money. That would be amazing because no one listens to our podcast. <laughs> Let's yeah. actually start this podcast. Yeah, but then when Dan's it's mom goes started. to Chipotle, uh, like, I heard about you on that podcast. They'll be like, get out of here. My son's podcast <laughs> is uh, using a name for advertisements. <laughs> Even my mom would be like, it's not that good. Welcome to Tail Time Podcast, the podcast where we read your stories here. In communist work factory, tucked deep in backwoods of Romanian countryside, tirelessly toiling to fabricate soles of combat boots that our comrades will wear as they charge headlong into battle against wicked and decadent capitalists who seek to do nothing but force us into their wretched ideals of free market economics. Thank you, Western Spy. This is the best podcast I've ever been on. I am so happy to be here. Thank you. Please do not shoot me in my other foot. I still need to walk home. Thank you so much. I love this podcast. It's best. Good to have you here. It's best. <laughs> this is your face and shoots himself in the I'm not editing one thing. We're still doing the accents? Let us do podcast. Entirely, all 45 minutes, including story. You sound like Borat now. I'm tapping out. Uh, this I'm not gonna, I'm not this is the like place for the Borat. Yes. He, he sticks to it. He's <laughs> like, that's fine. That is fine. We <laughs> can do it without one guess. We are your hosts. I am Andrew Bruning. To the left of me is the poor man's Guy Fieri, Dan Palmer. And to the right of me is a man who once built a treehouse upside down, Jacob Bransky. Oh, I'm Spider Man. Actually, refer to me as Spider-Man for today. Thanks. Our fourth host, Jeff, was unfortunately detained by KGB for some simple questioning and will unfortunately be running a tad bit late. <laughs> I would like to happily welcome our first ever, well, our second, but our first real, our first real guest, really good guest, yes. Mr. Cal. Thank you so much for coming on this show. I'm Callen. Cal, Callen. Callen. Colleen. Sapatoru. Colleen Sapatoru. Ooh, that is elegant. Mm. I like that. That's got a, Dang. Yeah, you can also yeah. listen to his podcast, which yeah. is coincidentally a sex it, hotline. Yeah. You can get on Skinamax Premium. <laughs> With that sweet baritone voice, that must be... I feel like back in home country, that was National Anthem Singer. Oh, yeah. It is good to have you here, sir. How are you feeling today? feel good. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I uh, really appreciate you guys inviting me, and uh, I'm glad you think my story's worth telling. And uh, our theme today is immigration. Not a hot topic at all. Politically divisive in any means whatsoever, but this is not a political podcast, so we will keep it purely friendly. Cal, uh, would you please tell our listeners at home a little bit more about yourself? Uh, so I am an immigrant, originally born in Romania, and then I moved to Canada. My whole family moved. When I was about three years old, lived in Canada, 
where I uh, went to a French school. What part of Canada? Toronto. Hmm. So growing up until uh, about age 10, I spoke French and Romanian, Romanian home, French at school, and then we moved to America here. Where I Can I ask you, is monotone English. the language of choice in Romania? <laughs> this is my first podcast. Can't believe you guys I'm sorry. Like no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you sorry? Sure? Yeah. First you were telling me I'm no, too no, no, you... the microphone. <laughs> now I'm too monotone. You're the uh, second guest. You should have seen how we treated the first oh, guest. Oh, he didn't that's... come back. No, yeah. he's still crawling home. Yeah, we didn't I'm even use kidding. it. <laughs> <laughs> he was fired from his job. His wife left him. It was horrible. Horrible. Yeah. Is this Dave? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so please uh, start off. So you were born in Romania. What part of Romania? I uh, was born in Transylvania in a city called Cluj, Napoca. That's for... I, is, yeah, Transylvania is one of the uh, three, I don't know, provinces or states cool. of uh, Romania. Mm. Very interesting. Not its own country. And do you remember anything from that growing up? Like from age, because you left at 10, 10 years old and went to Canada, right? No, I left at three years old and went to Canada. I came to America when I was 10. Oh, okay. Uh, so how was the, uh, so how you was the would milk remember... when you were a child in Romania? Was it sour or was it? So the milk know? in Romania, funny you should bring it up, it actually comes uh, from the cow. <laughs> <laughs> But like, funny that uh, the same thing happens here. That's no, 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 no so it's different. So it's not like pasteurized and homogenized like it is here. Oh, okay, like it literally comes from a cow in a bottle. I guess delivered to your place, like you know, with a milkman, and then you have to boil it to kill off all the bacteria. And then what you don't wow. realize is that all the fat rises to the top. Yeah, and it literally looks like someone sneezed in your milk. Do you, do you cook with that or do you cook, cook with, with the that? Fat? Uh, yeah. Does anyone ever doesn't that people either strain it out or they just drink it? They turn it into cream. Yeah, like cream or butter cream. or something. <laughs> like I don't know how it works. I honestly, from what I've seen my family do, like my grandparents stuff like that, they just deal with it and drink it. It's how the milk is there? They don't know homogenized milk, so you got to be careful here because if you drink milk here, I feel like men will grow breasts and yeah, yeah, really crazy stuff. I know my stomach starts like, dancing. Mm. I think you're just lactose intolerant. I'm lactose intolerant. No, small, but no. I'm a very tolerant person. Lactose, gluten. Isn't Count Dracula from Transylvania? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just want to let listeners know at home. We, I've been trying to ask that for like five minutes. We are not badgering <laughs> yeah. our, our... No, that's a, that's a genuine, genuine yes, question. Yes, Count Dracula is, uh, is from Doesn't Transylvania. Doesn't he have a castle? Uh, he doesn't have a real castle. It's like an urban legend. It's like, I don't know, Washington, Jefferson or whatever. And here in America, you know, or Tom Sawyer. You know, those fake characters. <laughs> you say Washington and Jefferson <laughs> yeah, were fake you know. characters. <laughs> yeah, like wooden teeth and chopped down a tree. Never told a lie. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, I don't that's, believe that, that yeah, shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, it's I would like love Romania's to see baby Dracula. pictures. He was in like a castle, like with lightning always going off in the background. Like, Dracula. Carl, we love you so much. Come here. <laughs> have our sneezed in milk. Please, gross. Strong. Yeah, well, if you want to know something funny about the milk in Canada, milk in Canada comes in liter bags, and they sell these special pitchers. What? Yeah, it's like the cylindrical bag, and you just snip the corner off, and you put. That's it in like this bagged pitcher. wine, right? You get a box no, of wine and a box bag. of milk. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you tell us a little bit about Canada? Growing up in Canada, they yeah, eat their French fries like? with mayonnaise. Honestly, yeah. I'm about to go there and no. just hang out there. That's for not a true. While. Yeah. Told you the milk comes in bags. What else do you need? That's just <laughs> Justin Trudeau yeah. does a, uh, like speaks the entire nation. He just holds up a bag. <laughs> like this is it. We're this doing is good. All you need to know this about us. All you this need to it. know. We good like maple go. and our milk and bags. What are the people like in Canada? They're, They're all a lot, Asian. A lot nicer, They're probably. Asian. Or a bunch of Asian people. Asians. Yeah. Actually, so, it is funny uh, because while I was at Yale. Um, 
there was an Asian person who came in to talk to us, and he was from Canada. So <laughs> what happened is when China had the, you know, when China was had there the actually like a lot of Asians in yeah. the area. So I'm about to go into it. Jesus okay. In Christ, this podcast. No swearing, please. This is family friendly. <laughs> My mother's listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only viewers, our only listeners, are mothers. So please keep that in mind. So when China had the uh, one child law. Oftentimes, when they would get pregnant with their second child, they would ship the wife over to Canada because immigration is pretty uh, mm. lax there. Mm. It's such a big country, and they only have a population of like 30 million, where America has a what? population of like 300 million. Yeah, really. And I think something like in 80, all of Canada. Yeah, in all of Canada. Well, I know most has of like the a tenth of the population here. And most, most of the of them, populace is within the border, right? Yeah, they live yeah. within like a certain amount of miles of the border, like 80 percent of the population. Yeah. So like they got room, um, so they accept <laughs> so they accept a lot of immigrants, and it's a lot of like Asian people who uh, sent their wives over for that, and then eventually they came wow. over once they could like you know become expatriates of their country or find work here stuff like that. So it is actually uh, a lot of immigrants in Canada. That's really interesting, actually. That is interesting. I didn't realize it was such a uh, a small population compared to. Other countries. I know in the recent Syrian refugee crisis that they were big proponents. They took in the most. Like we were like, no, ten people is enough. We can't fit anymore. Canada's like, oh yeah, come on, hey, we got plenty of room, plenty of bagged milk for you too if you need it. Mind the moose. I do love those videos. You ever see those videos? I think there's like an Instagram page where it's just videos of like people being stupidly nice in Canada. Like yeah, just for no, just genuine people. Like a guy gets run over and he's like, oh god, is your car okay? Did I dent it? You know what I mean? <laughs> just like the nicest, nicest people. Like you can't even. I saw, that's what I'm saying. Like, I really like Canada. I would love to visit. Have you guys been to Canada? No, no, no. no, no. My brother once. has. But what the f- are you talking about? <laughs> okay. Watch you. He's beaten to a pulp as a child. He's like, I don't know what Canada you guys were at, but they beat me every day. I don't know. One, one, one time, good guys. One time, I saw a video of a wiener dog wearing an Elmer Fudd costume, and the guy who filmed it was Canadian. This no. Downhill real fast. Oh, I thought it was going. I thought we were doing getting some good traction going. <laughs> oh, I feel like we weren't even on a hill. I feel it was like a slight slope, and we just dug a hole. Well, your mic's been off the entire time, so. <laughs> Doesn't really matter, anyways. <laughs> Jeff's actually currently sitting on your face. Right Jeff now, is still so. detained by KGB. He needs to answer a few more questions, and then they will let him go. Do you also represent the KGB? Do. He wasn't in the Navy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they left him in Russia for yeah, a time. They left him in Russia. He's different now. They converted him. Now he's uh, what's it called a, a red sparrow. Yeah, yeah, right. He's waiting to be like uh, mm-hmm. activated. All of, all of a sudden, someone's like, "I wish I had a Swiss and turkey panini," and I'm just like, "Whoa, just go on. <laughs> Must kill the president." <laughs> but. Yeah, Yes, please tell us a little bit more um, about, so you were in Canada and then you came to the United States. When did your parents, did they know, did you know about that process at all? Did they talk to you about like why we're going from Canada to the United States? Was that hard Mm. in any way? Yeah, super hard. I uh, don't remember much of it. I remember we didn't take a lot of stuff. Remember a lot of stuff was a lot of my stuff was either sold or given away, and I like didn't understand why. And then we got in this big truck and like moved, and then I didn't speak the language because I speak English when I first got here. So it was a lot of confusion. And then uh, was your move like like sudden, like had to move quickly, or no, like so, uh, what you happened just couldn't is, physically bring a lot? So in Romania, my father was a doctor, and then when he moved here, his uh, uh, what do you call it? The degree didn't translate over. So what mm-hmm. he did to start working sooner, rather than going to med school again, he's, he he uh, became a nurse. And, you know, a couple of our other uh, friends from Romania, they'd come to America. Same thing, like, through Canada, where they got lucky enough to get a visa to come to America. And uh, so the goal was always to get to America. And then my father answered an ad 
in the paper that said we're looking for nurses in the Massachusetts, Connecticut area. And uh, by then, we already been in Canada for five years. We became Canadian citizens. So then my father answered the ad, called him up, uh, went through some phone interviews, got the job, then went through the process of applying for a green card to come to America, got it, and then we moved uh, over. I wasn't really... Uh, privy to the knowledge of like moving in the process and all the applications so they knew for a while and then I just kind of you know I was a kid I was like 10 years old and like fifth grade and what do you remember back then you know did he ever talk about you know going from I mean his profession like from transferring from one like Romania to a different country like the cultural difference for that yeah so as you know here in uh America and Canada too it's very like uh you go by the books, you follow protocol, you don't want to get sued, you don't do anything out of like what you're supposed to. If like someone falls and you're not like trained in, I don't know, stabilizing and lifting people, then you can't do it, you have to wait for a specialized person to come. In Romania it's different, you know, if you can do it, just do it, you're a trained doctor, they know you have your best judgment. So coming here, he was kind of like, that was a big uh, shift. Mm, yeah. They did not like that. Yeah, yeah, so... Less they, freedom. Yeah, so... I don't even know, but I don't know any specific examples, but like, let's say he's working with someone has to change a bandage, that person like slips and breaks their ankle. He would just like, you know, patch it up or whatever, like uh, splint it and do all that. And then they'd be like, did you document this? Did you fill this out? Why wasn't the physical therapist called this, that? And he's like, it just hurt her ankle. They splinted it up. What's the big deal? And yeah. like, it is a big deal. Like, so that was, yeah, uh, everyone's too, too happy. Right? Yeah. And then exactly. because everyone's too happy, everyone, uh, is really all about covering their own asses and stuff yeah, like that. So that's one of the main things uh, to kind of transition over with. Uh, so I've read your biography. I loved it, by the way. Um, I didn't write a biography. Oh, well, I read something. <laughs> Thank you. That was his MySpace. That was his like MySpace like. I'm glad you can read info thing. <laughs> but I know that. Um, Coming over, obviously, having to learn different languages and everything. Uh, you went to school for one thing, and then you taught yourself information pertaining to the IT field, and now you work in that. Um, do you want to talk about your your education process at all or anything like that? Yeah, sure. Let's get into that. So um, I came over here, didn't really know English, didn't really know French when I lived in Canada. They taught it to me in school, but it was easy enough because everyone, you know, in like the first grade is pretty... <laughs> stupid so you can just uh, you know learn to read on it they're not like yeah they're not like that high above me learning to read and stuff like that but then i came to america and i was like 10 years old and couldn't read and i was like falling behind and uh where i went in glastonbury they had a language immersion program so like all right i know you're coming over and you don't know english but we have to teach you spanish too because it's part of the curriculum did they tell that to you in english yes and then i got (laughs) little cassette tapes that taught me spanish from an English speaker's point of view. Oh, my, oh my God. Cassette tapes. Yeah. Oh. So it'd be like, the orange is an arananado. Oh, God. And, and you're just like, like, I know neither. I go to my parents like, what is an orange? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, orange is a portocala. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. So that means orange and arananado. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. That helps. Dude. So how do you overcome that, that, that issue? Um, I don't know. It was difficult, and I read his biography, and you'll find. Yeah, it's on Audible too. I narrate it in monotone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, his monotone thing is really just. So learning English was difficult. Um, I was uh, reading books that were way above my level, even though they were like at the level of like an elementary school. Moby Dick, first grade. No, it wasn't anything like that. But uh, I remember falling behind a lot, and then like the teacher would like read along with me. 
and read to me, but I didn't know like the spoken language that well either. So I just like it was all blurred and hazy. I didn't really understand things too much, and I was also really slow at reading. So what happened is I eventually just never read. I would just spark note it, and then that's how I got through high school and then in college I just never read any of my textbooks so I'm like the professor doesn't read them they just teach off their PowerPoint so I, I'm actually still not good at reading <laughs> and uh, it's that's not surprising I, really, I feel like you it's not something I really do yeah and I work in coding and uh, that's just you know a couple well that's like of, alien yeah a couple lines know. of code you know you only gotta read a couple words and the rest of that yeah. I just listen to uh, audiobooks or I just read super slowly yeah. what are your ultimate prospects are you trying to be a CEO of a fortune 500 <laughs> Silicon Valley company one day or I'll be a stay at home dad and start a family that's cool and, yeah I respect that and work from home with the coding and then start a real estate empire 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 I like it Later. well you know I have, I have the one uh, apartment in Glastonbury yeah, yeah, yeah that I rent out and then I have the one in Hamden and actually funny story I just had a, an issue with my um, tenant she uh, didn't understand the lease we agreed she wanted to pay bi-weekly and that's what we wrote in the lease and then she understood as bi-monthly even though she hmm. paid every other week, but then she understood it's every other week up until the months where there's five weeks and then not pay that week and then start paying fresh the next month, which is not what I wrote in the lease. Anyway, we're getting too into it. So I hired a property manager. No, that's manager. okay. Please. No, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just uh, when you're out there signing things, um, read it and understand it, especially when <laughs> especially when you set the terms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you might want to talk to our legal counsel, Jacob Bransky, about that. He, uh, yes, he divulges uh, more. Uh, you want to read carefully mm, when it comes yeah. to things Do you want to write like this down? Because <laughs> he doesn't usually, he doesn't give out legal advice often. Say, this, this is this a rare This is a rare deal. thing. So usually, what is your starting price for like an hour of legal advice? Oh, 100 100000 No, I was going to say $150. I'm oh. just a broke college. Right, yeah, yeah no, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Just a Yale graduate. He's being humble. Mm. Yeah. That's You graduated from Yale? Legal. Uh, no, that's false. Oh, okay. And, uh, legal don't major. Display, uh, I, I just want... false words. No, but we are very proud of Jacob at Tail Time here. Jake did attend the Yale... Uh, it was YSEMA, Yale Summer Enrichment, Enrichment Medical Academy, and uh, it was a f- six-week program where you uh, got your ass kicked mentally. Lots it's, of fun. That's really Can we cool. do a little round of applause for... Yeah. Yay, went to Yale. I just want I you to know go I've been to going Yale. to Yale every day for the past two years, so thank you. It's coming over here culturally, the cultural kind of like American... Uh, I know that you grew up, obviously, you were only three when you left Romania, but what's your overall perception of, you know, American society or American um, that maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, go yeah, getterism so. you know just kind of like make your own future sort so of. my perception of uh, Americans in general is that they're always going to be really nice and polite to your face but you never really know what they're going to say you know I feel like a lot of them hide you know they hide how they really feel about people they'll be like super nice to someone's face and then turn around and be like that guy like I swear to God you know that's so true yeah and then Andrew I was talking to Jacob about Andrew yeah I was talking about Jacob <laughs> I mean I was talking to Jacob about this earlier too and like alcoholism and stuff like that some people are like in some places people drink like all the time and they're like always drunk and then I feel like here it's not like that but then again you know a lot of people like they'll go home and start knocking back drinks they feel like they need it and stuff and I feel like uh things are a lot more hidden here you know you don't talk about how you like self-medicate to like deal with your problems or you don't talk about any problems you might have (laughs) any problems you might have with someone like it's very like avoidant of confrontation here and I think uh, I think it's a little bit misleading I think things would be a lot better if you could just be more open be more honest and see what you really feel about people you know I do agree with that I feel like sue you if you do that though 
I feel like there's yeah. weird cultural <laughs> things. Like uh, to me, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like it's weird when people don't disclose their salaries. If you're on kind of a good term with somebody, and you're like, "How much do you make?" and people, I know some people are like, what? some people like, get, get really like, offended, dude. Yeah. It's weird, but I think it's I think that it would be better and a more open kind of forum if everybody disclosed that information, let each other know. Because if you're in the same field, then it might be good to get a gauge of wow, they're making that. I'm not making as much, right. you know. So. I, yeah. I, there are strange cultural norms I feel like in America mm-hmm. where it's more individ, individualistic and it's it's more for me sort of but well it's funny too because you know they have all those surveys online where like uh, whatever position you have what your expected salary range is so that information is out there and people want to share it but it's awkward when someone shares it directly you know people get weird about it but it's obvious everyone wants to know and if everyone wants to know and you want to know why would you not share your information like you want to know what everyone else makes but then you don't want to tell everyone else what you right mm-hmm. yeah 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 and i feel like that's the big issue like i feel like if you want to know you should be willing to share or if you want to know something about someone you should be able to share that part of your life with them yeah you know agreed thought it was very important to uh, assimilate when i came here so i didn't want to be that weird foreign kid with an accent who has a funny name you know so my real name like i said earlier is colleen when i came here a lot of like the children in school would be like what your name's colleen that's a girl's name so i started going by callen and then eventually people just shortened it to cal and then as i started learning english better i kind of uh paid more attention to how words were pronounced and made sure i pronounced it the same way and kind of thought about um like mouth placement and tongue placement to pronounce certain things. And I was very like uh, aware of that. And I practiced it to try to make sure that I sound like everyone else, like I assimilate. But um, yeah, that's something that was very important to me. I know some people come here and they don't bother learning language. They know it's just well enough to communicate. Embrace their like accent that. almost. That's a yeah. funny thing. I don't, where's that fine line between assimilation and retaining your identity, your mm. cultural identity? Now for you, it may be different because you may not remember as much. And I think that you're more prone to uh, going more towards the American kind of uh, cultural ideology um but if you can weigh on that like i because you do see people and they kind of struggle with that and I'll, I'll read stories about people that you know they'll come from across the border and they it's there's almost like immediately like leave their this culture. precedent that's yeah. set up that it's like you need to adapt mm-hmm. to you know this kind of lifestyle otherwise you're ostracized from the rest of society but it's like you also want to retain that because that's part of your own background and your history and i think it's, right. it can be a beautiful thing but did your parents ever talk about that or anything or was it like a total just yeah so my parents uh they didn't try real hard to get rid of their accents they're just like you know we're older we're immigrants it's whatever and i don't think i lost any of my cultural identity by assimilating so well like i'm obviously very open about being romanian being living in canada and stuff like that and i am an american citizen now but uh i see as all of that being part of my past and my cultural identity you know now i've lived in america alongside of all the countries so can i really come here and say i'm romanian for the majority of my life I've been American right Hmm. and even like that like you say about uh, other cultures coming here and feeling like they have to assimilate I think that's one of the nice things about being uh, in America is that there are so many people who immigrate here and there's so many things that you can do and so many like clubs you can belong to or like cultural groups and things like that they have Italian clubs Irish clubs they have Puerto Rican day parades things like that you know and like ultimately you come here you can assimilate as much as you want with just the general American or you can assimilate with your culture's version of America you can live in the Italian section of a city or you can live in like little Poland in like New Britain or whatever you know so it's really what you make of it. I want to get your input on this. I've always uh, uh, thought about how people kind of become too homogenized if they if they emigrate if they immigrate here and then they kind of 
pocket themselves in one group. And I always thought that to become truly mixed and just kind of have uh, a larger, vast, uh, eclectic society, that people should move away from what they're they're used to. Like if they come here from Italy and they move into the Italian na- neighborhood and they're surrounded by uh, other Italians, I mean that's that's awesome because it's like it reminds you of home. But I feel like. I mean, do you think it would be a better society if the if an Italian family came here and all of a sudden they're mixed within a black neighborhood or an Irish neighborhood or just like the, and they exchange those kind of cultures? Or do you think that that's too headstrong? And it's like that would do you think that would create more of a riff or do you think that would create more solidarity as true Americans? And ultimately it comes down to how you're raised and what you're comfortable with. You know, some people come here and they feel alone. They seek out those communities that they know they belong to Mm. and they go into it. Other people come here and, you know, they want a thing to do with their home culture. They want something new. They want to experience something new. They go to other cultures, kind of figure out what they do. You know, a lot of people, you know, pretend to be Hispanic on Cinco de Mayo and drink tequila (laughs) and all these other things. Or a lot of people eat corned beef and uh, potatoes on St. Patrick's Day and stuff. And I don't know how, like, much of that actually pertains to the actual culture. I think that's more like stereotypes, like adapting this. Yeah, but it you know is, what I mean? Yeah, but, but it's not like you come here and you're from France, but you don't even eat any of the Italian food here in America, or you don't try Chinese food, or you don't hit up Chipotle, sure. current sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get an email from Chipotle. Uh, you need to cease and desist all mention of Chipotle and all further podcasts. We're going to wake your ass up in a minute. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Slap with a $5 million lawsuit. Um, no, but you know what I mean? Like, You'll handle that one though, right? When that comes in, <laughs> uh, I believe Andrew Payson right. will handle that one. <laughs> Andrew Payson or our legal counsel. I don't know. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. But yeah, what I was going to say is it's such a uh, unique situation here. Being a melting pot of different cultures that you can't experience, uh, you know, practically anything you want. And I think there is also, you know, groups that are really friendly and they're willing to accept people and kind of, it's a thing of pride if you do have things from your culture to share with someone else and be like, oh, well, you know, this is from my home country mm. or this is where some of my parents taught me or grandparents. And then you come to the table and you're like, oh, this is something my grandparents taught me. And then kind of like mixes like that. Have you personally had that? Like your Romanian parents told you something about where they came from and then you've inadvertently maybe passed that on to American passerbys or anything or just people throughout your life? Has there been any? Yeah, probably. Are you asking for like a specific instance? Maybe like a dish. Is there a Romanian dish that you're like, Sam, you got it. Sam is yeah. uh, Cal's lovely girlfriend, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> Why'd uh, you laugh yeah. about that? What was that yeah. awkward laugh? Pause. Sam's going to be like, I'm sorry, did you laugh after he complimented me? No, sorry. I was just uh, thinking about her. It distracted me because I'm so in love with her. <laughs> nice. Nice. Is round of applause? That was very nice. Beautiful save. Sorry. But, um, but yeah, like one dish is uh, my mother makes this stuffed cabbage or she, she makes it with grape leaves as well. I prefer with the grape leaves. Mm, yes. And uh, Sam's mother being mixed and part Polish and stuff, she made her own version. So Sam kind of got to experience her mother's stuffed cabbage, which was kind of like her version of a Polish recipe that was passed down from, I don't know, whoever. Maybe she found a line or something. And then she got to taste my mother's version, which was like authentic from Romania. Legit as fuck. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying that her mother's recipe wasn't legit but you know they're making the same dish right they can taste so different and then the way you serve it too you know like oh yeah with like sour cream and we kind of salt it a little bit more and eat it with bread at her parents house i think they uh, served it with spatzel what's that i don't don't know some sort of flour uh dough mixture that you like boil and you like 
you usually push it through like a slotted spoon and it like it makes little oh. drips and then as it like hits the water it boils and you get like these kind of droplets of like pasta like stuff I don't sounds know. interesting yeah, yeah. So I will say thing, you know I think the best thing that I I, I personally did was um, blow half my deployment money on traveling to Europe for two weeks because there's so many things yes. that like really enlightened me I was in Prague um my grandfather was born in Prague. And I, I, I tried, mm. I was just like, I was always trying nice local place. dishes cool. and everything. And I tried one dish and I forgot. Oh, God, now I'm just like blanking. Was it goulash? It was goulash. Of course That's it was what goulash. it was, yeah. And I've just never had it. <laughs> no. I like how people from Prague are like, I'm sorry. Was that, oh, are we that predictable? <laughs> it's like, oh, what's American had that thing? What's it called? Uh, uh, a hot dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. And it really, you know, even something as simple as that kind of, uh, because I didn't I looked at it and it was just I mean I don't mean to be offensive but it was basically just like oh, it was just gravy just and just stew yeah. and it just didn't look appetizing but he, he kind of gave me a look he's like you stupid ignorant American put it in your stupid mouth and then talk about you it you got a big mouth why don't you put this in it was and it delicious I, it was it was so good it was so so good mm. it was absolutely delicious but since I'm on that topic um, I also kind of wanted to talk about I think that your upbringing is like a, a huge part of how of your perception of the world obviously me and my friends here me Dan and Jake we were all kind of born in Trumbull which is relative America's suburbia it's pretty predictable you know you kind oh, of yeah. go through your life it's kind of a bubble it's and a I good think that system a good school yeah they exactly good, they really good schools, schools like really good school system just great school system but another There's like 13 14 or 15 churches just in Trumbull oh my oh, gosh yeah. along my road there's there's like <laughs> Five and a half mile. But I think that when I was really broken from that bubble was when I went to boot camp for the first time and there was this Vietnamese kid and he was just like, like at boot camp for everybody else, we were all just kind of like, just all American boys doing whatever. We're just like, eh, it's whatever. We're just wasting time. You know, I want to get the GI Bill or whatever. And we were just having a good time. But this kid here who's from Vietnam and like this is his only path to, path to citizenship. And mm. it was just, he was, it was so determined just yeah. like the de determination in his eyes and yeah. he just not that he saw the rest of us with contempt but he was like this is so different my reality is so much different from yours like mm -hmm. I'm working to get my citizenship and then one day um, like he would work Titled so much harder mother. he finally got it like our RDC which is our drill sergeant came in and he was just and he called him to the front and he was and we thought he was going to get uh, quote unquote beat which is basically <laughs> just make him like work out and just like it's <laughs> not like the Marines him. it's, it's the just, Navy beat it's the Navy beat which is still a beat but it's you know like they're they're just making not a Marine beat, but it's like a wet noodle, uh, slap with a wet noodle kind of thing. Is it like that scene in Top Gun where they make them get shirtless and play volleyball? They did, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and so basically, they just took him to the the center, and he's like, and they awarded him his citizenship, and he just broke down crying. It's yeah, like, dude, oh I bet God. he did actually completely break down. Dude, the American dream is uh, still a real thing. A lot of people want it. Yeah, I know for sure. American citizenship is uh, very valuable. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people who were born with American citizenship don't really realize what they have and mm -hmm. they don't really know to appreciate it. What's your overall perception of of American youth that were born here and they didn't have to go through that kind of same rigmarole that you did? Well, um, let me ask you something. What do you consider an American? Like, is there someone who was born here? Is there someone who has citizenship? Or naturalized, or um, if they attain their citizenship, I think that you're you're legally an American, an American national, if you're born here or if you get your citizenship, yeah. I think the older generation likes to uh, blame millennials for a lot of stuff. And I think they're kind of seen Wait, as scapegoats. Yeah. 
for a lot of things, you know, and I've heard a lot of people like, oh, brick and mortar stores are all closing down because uh, millennials keep buying everything online. Uh, all these other problems are going on. Like they have all this, like uh, they're not buying new cars, so they're not stimulating the economy, this and that. But when it comes down to it, it's like, what options do millennials have? You know, we got out of college, we didn't have the same uh, job opportunities as people who graduated 30 years ago. Or buying power. Yeah. You know? Also, if a millennial saw their parents go through the crisis of 2008 and they saw them lose their house, what's going to motivate them to buy a house? Why not just rent forever? Because then it's not something you lose. If you lose your job, you just buy, uh, rent a shittier apartment. You don't have to worry about foreclosing on your house and stuff like that. So it's all like the situations that they were... Th- they had to go through is kind of what led them to where they are now and it's the older generation that kind of made the environment that formed millennials and now I feel like they're kind of getting blamed for things but realistically they're just trying to survive in the world that was presented to them you know oh yeah we know yep I fully agree. <laughs> we like all live at homes. <laughs> but no, it's true. Because you know, remember back in the day, there uh, I forget what time period it was, but you know, it would be like a single income. The man would go work. He could buy a house. Yeah. And, you know, one of these like levy townhouses. Kind of madman style. Like Yeah, yeah. And you could lease a car, a new car every two years, do all that at one salary, yeah. have a wife, have exactly. two kids, have even yeah. three kids, and you could do all that at one salary. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, Sam and I, we both work. We both make a salary. But... None of us can afford new cars. We can't afford, like, really nice stuff. You know, I'm making it work with, like, the mortgage and the rent, with the mortgage, and then, like, buying a place and trying to rent it out. But that's just because I'm trying to save up because we're probably not going to have Social Security. So at least if I have an apartment that's going to be paid off in 30 years when I'm older, that's going to be a way of making money and supplemental income. But uh, the only way I got this way is by being really frugal and saving up. Like, I can't live like some of these other kids who are, like, really enjoying their 20s, going out, drinking, going on vacation, stuff like that. Like, I forego those things just so I can set myself up for the future because of the economic state that I live in. I actually want to add something, and it's a little bit, like, like a branch off of that. I feel like you do pretty well for yourself. Um, I do really well. Uh, yeah, no, I do. <laughs> and I feel like immigrants from other countries are just so, like, far past people who have been born here. The work ethic. Their work ethic, yeah. And I feel like they're just smarter in general. Like, they had actual, like, better schools. Or at least they cared. Or at least their teachers made them care. You know what I mean? I think um, they cared more because it meant a lot more to them. The education. Yeah. And it's because I feel like Americans definitely have been, um, you know, made to be uh, entitled mm-hmm. and jaded and yep. all that good stuff, uh, unfortunately. But yeah. Um, Can you tell that we are Russian spies yeah. <laughs> blogging no, in the American do you, way? Do you know where I'm going with I know, that? I like, you know, I definitely exactly feel like saying. immigrants are, are so, smarter <laughs> than, than a lot of Americans. That is for darn sure. I see more, it. I see at it least in smarter with their money. I so, see it in college you know, a lot. Yo, yeah. there's this 15 year old uh, uh, Muslim girl in in college who has transferred along with me from Hoosie to uh, Southern, and she's, she's fi- 15. She's, yeah, that's the key thing is that she's 15 and she's like freaking killing it. Yeah, takes like five classes and not easy classes, like hard science classes. So I don't think they're smarter. I think uh, ultimately what it comes down to is. Uh, what they've seen in their life, their past experiences, and what they know they have to do to get to where they want to be. So if they were born in a country where they didn't have everything they had here and they saw their parents working their ass off to go through the whole process of immigrating here, coming here, and all they saw was that hard work ethic, and then they want better than what their parents had, they know they have to work just as hard, if not harder. So it's a flame up their ass. 
Yes, I find that's what motivates them. But if you're here, you know, like, I'm it's tough now and I'm working really hard, but I feel like if I stay on the route I'm on, I get my master's, I'm gonna have a pretty comfortable, cushy job where I might just be working like nine to five like a regular person, come home, do whatever, have hobbies. If my kids didn't see the struggle I had earlier in my life and they just see like this cool relaxed version I'm, all, I'm perfectly fine then you're gonna be raised and be like oh well you know my father had it easy just found a job worked and he was able to afford all this other stuff I'll be fine you know I don't have to worry that much about it especially mm-hmm. if everything's provided for them and they just know that like hey don't worry time will take care of it but if you don't have certain things and you want them and you know it you have to work hard to get mm-hmm. it and you learn to work hard at a young age. You know, I always thought when I was younger, I was working hard. I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to work hard for a couple of years and it's going to pay off. And then uh, it's just going to be easy coaster from there. I'll just get a job and I'll be able to afford all my bills and all that. But I find that now I could easily take a step back and not work as hard. But I have the momentum. And um, in a way, like when I don't work hard, I feel almost like I'm not doing everything I can. Mm-hmm. So I feel like now while I have the energy, like that's why I'm working full time. That's why I'm trying to buy more properties to get, to set myself up for the future. And that's why I'm trying to finish my master's program and do all this because right now is when I have the energy and I see people burning themselves out later or like having to do that. So that's where my work ethic comes in. You know, just knowing that my parents had to work really hard to get to where they are. I had to work really hard immigrating and learning all these languages and learning how to like assimilate and stuff like that. And then I even finished UConn early because like I didn't want to pay all that tuition. Yeah. Because even that's, like, ridiculous. You know, I just saw that. It's like, if I stay... Yeah, if I stay that extra year at UConn, that's, like... Uh, what, 30, 40? Yeah, so I was there for... 30, 40? For UConn? Is it more than that? Yeah, dude, yeah. So I was there for three years, and I paid... um, $24,000 in tuition and $20,000... $22,000 in living. So my total bill came out to... Total? Yeah. So oh, I also got a lot of scholarships what? and grants because I okay. did well in high school because I worked my ass off. Yeah. And um, and once I got out, you know, I saw that as a debt I had to pay. So instead of like buying stuff and just being like, oh, that's just my monthly payment, I saw it as, a, oh, that's pretty much a deduction from my pay. So let's say I get a job at 30000 That deduction of my student loans might as well be me getting a job at 20000 So what I did is I lived at home expense-free, paid all that off so I could keep my full salary, you know? And then instead of paying rent and just losing that money every year, I figured why not buy a place and then pay mortgage and at least that money, some of it's going to the bank and in interest, some of it's going to the state and taxes. Mm-hmm. But at least the residuals are going into, es- uh, not escrow, they're going into my uh, equity. They're going to say escort, so I was like, no, yeah. hey, it's going, going to my, my escort. escort business. I got to get my bottom me. bitch paid, all right? Yeah, you want to talk about working hard, let me tell you about the ladies I've hired. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, it goes into my equity. So in that way, like, I feel you just got to be smart about things and make sure that your hard work doesn't go to waste and you don't just blow it all on dumb things and you set yourself up. And I think that's what's really important. I think it's important to have multiple safety nets. And when kids are raised being very comfortable and they realize their parents are like this ultimate safety net that'll always save their ass whenever they need it, it kind of, they don't have that like survival instinct or that like need to work hard, that like motivation, you know? And I feel like that's why you say what you say. So they're not necessarily smarter. They just have a different perspective on things. And they're more grateful for certain opportunities that they're given. I think yeah, you're, I you're think right. that kind of mentality yeah. definitely puts you above a lot of people that yeah. I know. Funny you say that because right now is when the story broke about the parents, these super affluent, wealthy parents paying for their kids to go to USC, Yale, Yeah, that's what Harvard. that whole thing reminded me of. Mm-hmm. I'm just amazed by that. And I almost wanted to get your input on that because I was just... I don't I don't know why that infuriated me. I was at work that and I wanted to, a lot of people. And I was just so people who work their asses off their to get asses these colleges off. get pushed to the side yeah. because they were <laughs> 
they didn't buy in basically yeah no exactly <laughs> you know? no that's exactly it yeah and i don't i it's just in case you guys i mean with the the worst the person who's in the spotlight right now is Lori L- L- Lofin, I guess. Uh, Lofin? I don't know how to say her name. Laughlin. Laughlin, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, paid uh, $500,000 to get their do- both daughters into USC. Um, and other parents that were involved in like the 30-odd wealthy parents that were in, uh, um, paid stand-ins to take their SATs and ACTs and bribed athletic officials. Yeah. They would change the answers on the SAT, too. Like, they would Holy take shit. the test and change the answer. Wow. They, yeah, they wouldn't. But, yeah, I want to get your input on that. What do you think? Well, first, I want to get your input on that. You guys all said that it infuriated you, but why? Because I worked my my damn ass off on SATs, on all of my freaking elementary uh, education tests. You know, I worked my ass off in school. I was going through depression. I was going through withdrawals on my medication that I didn't realize was addictive. Like, there was a lot of shit that I was going through, and I pushed through it. And it pisses me off that, like, somebody could just, like, buy in, not have to do any of the financial programs that I had to do, not have to do any of the the essays or the the yeah. applications nothing that we all had to do and you know what we're not even we're not even close to coming to the struggle that like immigrants coming from two different freaking countries are gonna you know are gonna have so that definitely infuriates me and i feel like it it should infuriate a lot of people because money speaks louder than than hard work than meritocracy yeah yeah so that's the thing it doesn't infuriate me at all wow and it doesn't bother me at all there's always going to be people who are better off than you who are more affluent where the rules don't always apply to them or they can buy their way out of something and then you also have to realize that you guys are on situations that other people think is bullshit and they think you guys are the most well-off people they probably know you know someone always has it worse and someone always has it better than you so in my opinion this really doesn't matter because you know i already went through what i went through to get into college and i already got through it and that's not a concern of mine anymore i'm concerned about my own future now there's always going to be rich people doing shitty things you know so I really don't see it as like something to really care or worry or think about that much as long as it doesn't affect you directly and you're not personally wronged by it. But it would, I mean, it could, no, I, it could definitely affect. I think that that's fine as an individual. Directly. Like that's fine. That's your own individual. You're in your own little, you have blinders on. You're, you're obviously an individualist. And I think that that's almost like the purest form of capitalism. Like you're a pure cap. You, your communist <laughs> brothers would not be proud at all. You do not care about the state or your comrade. So I think that that's a perspective, but I think as an American, American, I think it is our our civic duty to propagate the, the image. Of, yeah, to blow <laughs> yeah. the image and propagate this image that well, there is an equitable world out there that we can aspire to. Now, there are people that are like, whatever. Right. They're gonna, yeah. There's always going to be those people, but I think that it is good to hold them accountable. And I, if they broke the law, then that's they still broke the law. So I disagree with you on that. But I mean, I, of course, there's always going to be, you know, I mean, there's dictators in Southeast Asian countries right now that are slaughtering their people, you know, and I guess we could yeah. say... No, but I agree they should be held accountable. Mm-hmm. But I believe that people holding them accountable, the court system, they'll deal with that. They'll go through it. You know what I mean? I believe even though the court Maybe. system has its flaws, 
mm-hmm. it's all we have and probably America's <laughs> yeah, yeah well you know, serious, like yeah but there's, there's stuff like that going on everywhere and I think America from what I've seen has a pretty good justice system yeah you know so they're doing their best and I'm glad yeah yeah it's not perfect but I'm glad someone blew the whistle on it you know I know it's not right but it's not something that's going to infuriate me you know and it'll get taken care of and I'm sure someone will do it again in the future and hopefully they put in some like extra laws and stuff that kind of like restrict this and things like that but other than that you know I guess what really upsets me at the end of the day, getting down to it, is that education... Now, this is coming from an educator's point of view, right? I am a teacher. So, like, I I am mad in general that the education system has become a business. All yeah. right? That in itself should never happen. Well, hold on, though. Was it... Was it the schools themselves that were doing no, it? There was a third was, party yeah, affiliate. Was a third party, but, like there was coaches involved. Sure, like, coaches were involved, and certain but people. But there took are the schools SATs. who are taking who are taking bribes to get people into their school. Well, that's as old as time. They're called, they're right. called donations. Donations, If Cal decided to donate fifty million dollars to Yale, and then he's like, "Listen, my little tyke, you know, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I kind of want to put him through Yale." Oh. Wow, look at that giant sign center you guys built with all my money. Do you mind if he uh, majors in fine arts? Like, it's become like a business. It's become a business. It's, it's not you know? right. It should be something that's available to everyone. And as a society, right. it's in your best interest to make sure that the people are well educated. Are educated. Shouldn't be putting up financial barriers <laughs> right. to kind of prevent people and make it like... Uh, only for a certain type or a certain class of person. Yes. You know? So I think it should be free, and I think everyone should have the option. And honestly, then I think, because I think some people who are well off feel pressured to do it. Mm-hmm. Like you guys all went to Trumbull, and I went to Glassbury High School, and there was a huge pressure to go to college. But I don't think a lot of people mm-hmm. should have gone to college. I think there are more creative things people could have done. They could have, like... Vocational schools. Yeah, become electricians. Know? They could have become car mechanics. They could have become car designers, things like that. Or, you know, take a year to work, because I graduated high school at 17 years old. And it's like... Like, all right, now decide what you want to do with school, which is going to decide your career for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's so young. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I mean, so and I mean it's just ridiculous. Yeah. What I did is I went to the School of Agriculture and then graduated and started working in databases. Now I'm getting my master's in healthcare administration, <laughs> which is a path that doesn't <laughs> crazy. Which is a path that doesn't make sense to anyone. But most right, anything. Do that. But, and that wouldn't be an option if some, if you were to say that in high school, be like, this is what yeah. I want to do. I want to do this, and I want to try this, and be like, no, this is what you don't have to listen do. to yeah, anybody you, else. You have like, to take a linear path. But what do you like? How about you just choose like what you like? That's the thing. I don't like. They gave me. A piece of paper to like look at careers. I'm like, yeah. Oh god, we're snowboarding on here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. But, but so that's the thing. I didn't like any of those. That's yeah. just the path I chose because I knew it led me to the life, or, or to the job and career where I could support the life I wanted to live. You know what I mean? So I do okay for myself now, and I'm on track to do what I want with it. And that's all I need from the job. I don't need it to be like something I like really love doing or like a passion of mine. I find passion in my hobbies and things mm. I do on the side. You know, and this job allows me to have extra income to spend on those things you know so that i enjoy my life outside of work we're uh we're approaching an hour um i know that your beautiful girlfriend stop calling her beautiful man it's creepy I'll bleep Why that you out. Why are talking so nice about her? What's going on? Yeah, she tries to be suave Seriously. and nice, and it just comes out, you beautiful yeah. girlfriend. Like your beautiful girlfriend with that birthmark on her leg. I'm like, <laughs> 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 like, 
<laughs> I have the picture. Do you want to bring it up? Really, really Jeff, can we uh, can we bring that up, Jeff? Do we have the picture? Um, Dude, you just say he's back now, by the way. Oh, Jeff, yeah. How was yeah, the KGB? I will, I will. Oh, they took out your say, tongue. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a shame. Are you uh, all right? That's a shame. Bill Miller. He can't tell if he's all right. He's in the corner cradling for our listeners at home. I don't. We hope you didn't tell them about our our secret stockpile of weapons. No. Okay. Good. That's good old Jeff. He doesn't break under pressure. I've yeah, been watching the redness. Real weapons, the redness so you know. in your ear go from the very top all the way down. Your your ear is fully red now. Yeah, I've been watching your ears too. They're very red. What's They're going cute. on with that? I'm is that very, like a I'm Romanian very thing? Very aroused or? right now. <laughs> <laughs> when Romanians Maybe become aroused, can you imagine little antennas come out? Yeah. He's like, I am so aroused right now. It's the alcohol content in the middle of the light. It's really. They're red for communist Russia. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, two things to leave off on. Do you have anything to say to your communist brothers back home fighting for the socialist state across the entire world. Yeah, I'm not a real communist. Okay. I feel like the KGB oh, at home is like, did you hear that? Yeah. Did you hear that? No, we may strike now. Down. Um, and secondly, uh, what's your, are you pessimistic or are you optimistic about humanity's future? Can you define those two words? English is not my first language. <laughs> Sorry, let me say them in uh, uh, Spanish. Uh, <laughs> uh, she says things in layman's terms. Do you think that humanity is on the right track, or do you think we're on the wrong track? I think it's cyclical, and there's way too many of us that <laughs> he fully, using, like, <laughs> to fully eliminate off the planet. But you know, some might die off, some might not be doing so well. I'm I sorry, this is a Scantron like... answer, so it's a yeah. yes or a no. Yeah, you got A, B, and C. A, my B, guy. and C. Uh, depends where you go. All of the above. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Cal, for coming on. We really do appreciate you yes. coming on. You were absolutely wonderful. Um, way better than Dave. Thank you. Way, better. way better than Dave. We'll let Dave know. Thank yeah, you. I'm glad I set the bar. Um, I don't. I, are we keeping that in? Like the fact that we're saying Dave because we're not saying a last name. You should definitely air Dave's episode too if you're going to do this. Uh, <laughs> Maybe <laughs> in the deleted scenes. Episode. Listen, I want when, side by when side. we hit one million viewers. We'll, I want a side by side comparison. I want them all to be like, Dave, who's Dave? And then you don't want me to air the episode. Do you mind if I hear Dan? Would you mind? being Dave. Dave, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? I um, work... <laughs> um okay <laughs> that was probably the most though but we we do appreciate dave coming on if he's listening right now he's um, not did i just spell yeah like ya and i said yes oh you know what's gonna be funny internet. yeah he did <laughs> if we tell dave to listen to yeah. this episode and then he comes back and he's like we're like did you listen to the whole episode dave and he's like yeah i loved it it was great <laughs> did you hear anything that we might have said yeah, I heard the whole thing. It was great. Heard the, it was <laughs> what did you think of it? It was good. It was good. Yeah, it was, it was good. good. <laughs> can you tell? Can you tell us about your wife? No. <laughs> okay. Well, what was your favorite part? The middle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for tuning into Tale Time Podcast. We actively encourage all listeners or friends of listeners to submit their own personal stories, and not just writers either. What do we accept, Dan? We accept uh, anybody who's been in jail who wants to tell their story. <laughs> yep. We uh, we accept uh, divorce hearings. Mm -hmm. We accept Mickey Mantle's personal uh, personal archives from his journal that you found in your grandmother's Ooh, attic. That would be a good and a one. journal that's that the pages are falling out. Yeah. You know, it's very it's, specific. Yes. I like that a lot. Yes. So anything under the sun, short stories, screenplay synopsis, novel excerpts, your own stories, like our beautiful friend has given us today. Yeah. Um, I, I would just like to say thank you so much for having me on the show mm -hmm. 
And if if I reached out to anyone, you feel inspired by my story, please listen to Storytime Podcast. It's <laughs> another podcast we got going on. We're sponsored by Chipotle. It's real great. And I hope uh, I hope I was able to help a lot of people out there. Don't Get forget the hell out. guacamole all, fresh all every day. <laughs> I just want to let Storytime Podcast know that we're coming for you. Yeah. I don't care how good your stories are and how good your guests are. Tail time forever. Stop sending over your Storytime spies. <laughs> uh, but uh, listeners, please submit to tailtimepodcast at gmail.com. And if you happen to prefer reading your own piece on the podcast yourself, please let us know and we'd be happy to reach out to you. Thank you so much and tune in next week for when we read A Small Town in Northern Ohio.